Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And a very good morning to you. Let me stay with word on the weather for a moment because it looks like this week is set to be cold and we certainly have got a wet start to the week. There is a rainfall weather warning in place for 20 counties, including our good selves here in Cork. Heavy rain is going to batter Ireland over the coming days and parts of the country expected to be liable to flooding as this wet weather sets in. Now, it's a status yellow rainfall warning. It began yesterday evening and it remains in place until midnight tonight. And the weather warning is to affect all counties here in Munster, as well as other parts of the country. And forecasters are saying that the heavy rainfall will occur with the potential for frequent heavy downpours. Tomorrow is due to be wet and windy again with strong gusts, particularly if you're by the coast and it's going to be a very cold night tomorrow night. And then they're telling us it should clear up a little bit after Tuesday, but there will still be throughout the week the chance of passing showers and uh, some of those showers will be heavy, but it should be predominantly dry once we get over these two days, Monday and Tuesday. But the temperatures are going to start to dip a little bit because it has been mild for this time of year, certainly for the month of uh, October. Uh, we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul has taken your calls at 1850-333-103. Texting and WhatsApping is also available at 0862-103-103. And let's start with passing on our deepest, deepest uh, sympathies to the family of uh, Cody Healy, the 24-year-old who had failed to return home after a fishing trip last week in Domanis Bay. Uh, his uh, body was recovered yesterday afternoon and the Irish Irish Coast Guard said divers recovered uh, his body near Carberry Island yesterday afternoon and that was following very intensive searches across the uh, weekend and I kept thinking of the family over the weekend and thinking of the fishing communities in West Cork and hoping and praying that there would be some closure for the family. So it finally came yesterday and his body now is home with his family and he now can be uh, buried with his people. So uh, may Cody Healy rest in peace. And as I say, we think of his family and uh, what they have been going through for the last few days and what they'll have to go through for the next few days coming up to the funeral and what they'll go through for the rest of their lives. It is just so, so uh, sad. But at least the sea has given back the body to the uh, family. And there's another family in deep, deep grief uh, also in West Cork. In, and that's the family of uh, Timmy Horahan from Bantry who was murdered in a park in Cork City where he'd been living in a tent for some time and we'll be remembering and talking about uh, Timmy Horahan on the programme today. But And there's lovely pictures of him, happy, smiling, lovely 
he's got such character in his face in all of the photographs I've certainly seen on the paper. And I was reading that he had given what was described as a very moving interview to somebody from the Irish Times. It was an interview... At, that he gave with the Irish Times. It was on Christmas Day in 2017, so just less than two years ago. He was spending Christmas Day at Cork Penny Dinners and obviously the Irish Times decided to send a journalist along to talk with the people who were using the great services of Penny Dinners on Christmas Day. Just, you know, human interest stories and Timmy opened up really to the journalist and, you know, he spoke about his battle with addiction and his his very moving story of his addiction to alcohol. He told, he spoke about how he had battled through periods of sobriety only to see his life derailed by relapses. Like he spoke and I quote, he said, I stayed off alcohol for a year and a quarter and I was proud of that. He said, at least I'm trying, bless his heart. And of course, anyone with addiction to alcohol will know it's that cycle of you can they get off the drink and then there's the relapses. But I suppose there's relapses, particularly if there isn't services in place, like we need proper, like we, we have great rehab services. We don't have enough rehab services. But it's then when people come out of rehab, it's the support they need to keep them in that period of sobriety and to make sure that sobriety stays with them for life. And that's where I suppose Timmy was uh, left down. And Timmy had a fantastic life before he became homeless and before he ended up sleeping in a tent in Cork City. He had worked as a chef. He'd worked in many prestigious restaurants in Britain. He had served celebrities such as Elton John and Lionel Richie. I mean, this is a completely different life that Timmy left led before addiction took a hold uh, of him. And he spoke in that interview in 2017 of going around in circles looking for accommodation. So, you know, while his death is just so sad and his family have to come to terms with it, but it also opens up that whole debate around homeless people and homeless people who are homeless because of addiction and what services need to be in place and how do we get these people out of that cycle of addiction? What supports do we need to put in place? And his death will have touched so many people. And we've invited Katrina Toomey to join us from uh, Cork Penny Dinners because Timmy himself spoke about Katrina, who runs Penny Dinners, uh, and in that interview, and he said, this is where he must have been asked, you know, he was asked about how special the day was and he was talking about that. And obviously, he was either asked about Katrina or he decided to mention Katrina himself. But he said she had the most beautiful heart in Cork City. A lovely description, the most beautiful heart uh, in Cork, uh, Cork City. And I know that Katrina will be deeply, deeply touched by uh, Timmy's death. You know, she finds all of those deaths so, so difficult. And she speaks out because she wants to try to stop. She wants to make sure that, you know, that there will, won't be more won't more Timmys and God knows there will, unfortunately, unless we can do something to end this cycle of addiction and to get accommodation and support for these people who so battle with addiction. Alcohol is just such a curse, isn't it? And then you add into that, I don't know if there was drugs involved here, but you also have people on the streets who are addicted to uh, drugs as well. And actually, I was in the city yesterday 
I kind of had one of those free afternoons where I went off uh, myself with my uh, young niece, uh, Izzy, who's living with me. And we got a kind of a, a girly afternoon up in the city that I don't often uh, get to do. But, but we went up and it was lovely. And the city was buzzing, I have to say. Real shops were, were full. They were busy. I don't, you know, I don't know have to talk to shopkeepers to see if the tills were ringing but there was a there was a buzz about the place and uh, and the city looked good when the sun was shining there was a couple of downpours but then the sun would come out and, and it looked good and everybody appeared to be uh, in you know in good form but I did notice uh, you could see in doorways homeless people and then I was talking to Simon because I happened to bump into Simon when I was out and about in the, in the city and we were just chatting this morning about, you know, what did you do afterwards? Where did you go? Did you go for food? You know, the general chats. And he said that when he himself and his wife were leaving the city at about half six, he couldn't get over the number of people that were starting to bed down in, in doorways. And actually, I passed a phone box where there was a guy standing outside and there was another guy inside. And, you know, they were very obviously homeless young men. And I looked at the two, you know, one was looking in at the other guy who was on the, on the phone. And it's unusual to pass a phone box and see anybody using a phone box because, you know, every now and again we'll do features on the programme. When's the last time you used a phone box? And because there's always talks of them getting rid of all of the public phone boxes because sure everybody has a mobile phone now and nobody uses phone boxes. And what will, what will always come up from people who work with homeless people is that in order to access a bed in a shelter, you have to ring. I think it's at a certain time every day the beds become available and you have a number that you have to ring to try to get accommodation and there isn't accommodation for everyone so people do end up either living in, you know, some people opt to live in tents because they don't want to go into shelters and then for others they end up staying in doorways and it just struck me when I saw these two lads one on the phone and obviously the other one outside waiting for he was going to go in and ring I don't know if the guy was going to be able to book for both of them and you know it went through my head I hope to God they can both get a bed because I knew that the forecast wasn't great for last night that this status yellow warning was going to come in and you don't want to be in a doorway when you have a status yellow rain warning so I did notice there does seem to be more and more evidence of people with addiction you could I mean certainly there was one man in a doorway that I didn't know whether I should approach or not and because you know my young niece with me I didn't know whether was it the right thing to do and I looked at him for a moment because I couldn't see if he was moving or not and then he was, you know, he moved and he and I could see he was conscious but he was, you could see, I don't know whether he'd taken, he'd taken drugs or whether it was alcohol but he was kind of out of it just, you know, almost in oblivion to what was going on except that he was in the middle of a very busy shopping day in Cork City. Will we ever, will we ever see an end to that type of homelessness, people who are homeless because of addiction. They've always been there, even before the homeless crisis, when we talk of the 10,000 people that are living in emergency accommodation or living in B&Bs who are living in hotels. You know, that's a homeless crisis that we have. But then there is another level and layer of homelessness. The people that have always been there, the people that have always been on the streets. What do we need to do? How do, how do we... How do we protect them? How do we save them? How do we get them out of that cycle of uh, addiction? Anyway, we will we, we think of Timmy Horgan today. May he rest in peace. And we think of his family in Bantry who must be going through a very difficult time at the moment. And we'll remember him by speaking with uh, Katrina Toomey in a couple of minutes on the programme. Now, we're also hoping to continue to discuss the proposed, the proposal to build uh, a crematorium.
Auditorium at the former Dohalo Lodge Hotel. We're hoping to uh, talk about that on the programme today because we got a lot of reaction to that on uh, Friday. And again, we had... And I know at the weekend, John Paul, we had it up on our Facebook page and it's a very mixed reaction to it. We have people who are almost scratching their heads, can't understand why anyone would object to having a crematorium in their area. And particularly when it's in, you know, it's in quite the old Duhalla Lodge Hotel. It's on a busy road, I accept that, but it's quite a rural area. It isn't a crematorium in the middle of a, a built up area. So some people are a bit confused as to why. I mean, you know, people can understand, like when we were discussing last Friday, a wind farm. People can understand when nobody wants to live, you know, near a wind farm. People can understand when people put objections into a super dump going into an area. People don't want to uh, live near that, live near a super dump. But when it comes to a crematorium, bit of confusion but then there's others who are just from the area who are just very much against it and do not want this crematorium in the area so we are hoping to discuss that uh, a little bit more in the programme today. Also hearing about why a third of people living in social housing cannot afford uh, to heat them. Now is this to do with fuel poverty Um, and some of it would be to do with fuel poverty but some of it is to do with people living in older houses that don't have a high energy rating. I mean if you're heating at home and your windows are really bad um, you, you know you've got gaping holes in some of your windows are you know you don't have weather glazed windows uh, in then really a lot of what you're spending on your fuel is going literally straight out the window or straight out the door. And then there's other people living in houses where their attics aren't insulated properly. And so much has been done in recent years to retrofit houses and to make old housing stock that were built in an era where we didn't worry about the burr ratings of a home and I suppose we didn't understand that we needed to be insulating homes better. So a lot has been done. So if you live in an old house you can do something but it costs money and if you're living in a social house if you're living in a council house are the council doing enough to retrofit the houses if you're renting a house you know is the landlord doing enough or even if you own your own house and you're living on a tight budget you mightn't have the money to retrofit so we're going to talk about that on the programme today and there's also yeah, I thought this was interesting figures that are out on the number of road accidents needing an ambulance on the Cork to Limerick road which is again I suppose highlighting that this is is a busy road but it's a dangerous road and it is long long overdue a motorway so when you f- see figures like this now these are the figures that are saying we need to speed it up we know there's been lots of talks and we're getting to the stage where the motorway is going to be built but, but it's going to be years away you know how many lives will be lost how many more people will be involved in accidents that will need an ambulance while we await a motorway between two major cities of Cork and uh, Limerick. We had our the Volunteer of the Year Awards on Friday night. These are the awards that are run by the Cork Volunteer Centre and they were the inaugural awards and we were delighted here at C103 to be the title sponsors of the award and I had the uh, great honour of acting as MC. And it was just a terrific night out and we were recognising and spending time with people who, as I said when I did a little bit of a spiel, they are the backbone of this country. But people who go out and volunteer, they give up their time to help others, to help total strangers and they do it willingly, they do it weekly some people do it daily some people do it monthly and many of them you know go about they do their volunteering work and they don't see themselves in any way as heroes and you could see that with all of the people who won awards and uh, Julie 
Connolly, the manager of the the Cork Volunteer Centre, was saying when they were ringing people, they were all taken aback going, you know, because all of them, I'm assuming, were nominated and didn't realise that they had been nominated by various charities. So they were all blown away and taken aback that they had won awards. So it really was, it was was a fun, fun night. And can I say to other charities, because I know on... Friday, when we went down through, we knew who the 10 award winners were. They they broke them up by, a, a, it was done from around the county. Like there was a winner from West Cork. There was a winner from East Cork. There was a winner from North Cork. The city was divided up. There was a youth winner. Uh, there was a group winner. There was, you know, a, a lifetime achievement award. So it was broken up that way, but it was spread out across Cork City and County. And when we called out the winners who were going to get awards on Friday night, when we did that on Friday, we had a couple of people who rang in suggesting, oh, I know somebody who volunteers with such and such charity. They should be recognised. I'd love to nominate them. I'd love to see them win an award. Uh, well, next year, the awards, they looked like they were so successful. They're certainly going to go ahead uh, next year. Your charity or your organisation just needs to be registered with the Cork Volunteer Centre. It's free of charge to register. Just get onto the Cork Volunteer Centre, get onto their website, register your charity, your organisation with you. And then once you're affiliated, you will be able to nominate next year and we'll give you loads of warning next year in advance of the nomination process. But your organisation needs to be affiliated. But as I say, there's no cost involved. and There's actually a lot of benefits to having your charity and your organisation registered with the Cork Volunteer Centre so just get out to the Cork Volunteer Centre they have a great very simple procedure to register with them online you can do that uh, check them out because they really are wonderful but anyway we had our 10 winners and then out of the 10 winners we had one overall winner who picked up her award and then picked up the overall award of Volunteer of the Year and that's a lady by the name of Sharon uh, Mullins wonderful wonderful woman who um, is involved with Feed Cork and the amount of work that she does for Feed Cork is just incredible. And we're going to speak with Sharon. She's actually in London. Her daughter is over in London. She, her daughter was forced to go to London actually to have an operation that I don't think was available here. And she flew back from London for the award ceremony and she was on the first flight back to London on Sunday morning to be by her daughter's bedside. She's just, she's an incredible woman. So we'll speak with Sharon this morning. And uh, it's Monday, so that means Annalise Trussell of the Health Hub, Times Square and Balancolic will join us as she does on a Monday answering all of your nutritional questions. I've had a message in on behalf of the Lep Scarecrow Festival to give a, a quick mention uh, to say they're all very busy at the moment they're making all of their scarecrows but they're looking to people to join in if anybody would like to make a scarecrow and bring along and bring it along registration is free you can simply pop in to the post office uh, in Lep and of course the scarecrow festival itself happens the bank holiday weekend which is only what about two weeks away at this stage and it runs from the 26th of October through to the 3rd of November and they have lots of things for all of the family especially for children get involved it's always a fun fun event okay we're going to take a break and we're back chatting with Katrina Toomey after these Egg foil amok, quid then anihe is farlin. Shot eight thrower C103 Air Kirkig. Bunich on Cork Public Museum, a bork big garret, Sivlian Ochtiog at the Hadakuig, Unta Speciul, a guine all in Dungahish. Lagan the museum shall beam erendoch the winning le Kirkig Marvala Mount Ishach. Agas Horodian, Godon has her Haladiani, a Dochalti, a Dinachart er Allah on Valle, Todian Tonian Homa on Egypt Orsa, Agas on Reg. Tirshir Erin Star Egan Public Museum, Agas Winsultas Cat. This Wednesday on C103's Court Today Show, we'll be speaking with a representative from Awalia. 
Awalia is a scheme to help homeowners find a resolution to their home mortgage arrears. It provides vouchers for free financial and legal advice and help from experts which are available through MABS. If you have been through the Awalia scheme and would like to share your story, or if you're looking for advice, email corktoday at c103.ie. Then listen in this Wednesday at 11.45am only on C103. And as we've been sadly reporting all morning, Gardaí are investigating the killing of 53-year-old homeless man Timmy Horahan in Cork City. And they're appealing for information about the fatal incident that happened on uh, Saturday night. Timmy was originally from West Cork. Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners joins me. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, now, Tim used your services. And, and firstly, and, and I've done this earlier, we extend our deepest, deepest sympathies to uh, Timmy's family but does a death like this really affect all those whose lives are touched by homelessness? Absolutely it, it affects everybody because you know he would be done to a huge amount of people and they're all heartbroken by it but I suppose they're also in fear that there are so many deaths now that they're probably wondering like where do they stand on this you know there's tears and fears there today and yesterday and, and a huge amount of hurt and unrest among people. Yeah, because I was rereading an interview that um, Timmy had given at Christmas less than two years ago now, and he was talking about that other homeless lady, uh, Kathleen O'Sullivan, who had died okay. earlier yeah. that month, and how that had affected him. So, oh, it's just, it's, 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 it's dreadful. And this area where he was living, the, the tent, is, is that like a little tented village on the Mardike Walk? It is. It is, it's actually, it's not visible from the street. It, it, um, you know, when you're passing, it's kind of inside behind bushes and there's a bit of a, a field in there and that's, that's where they were. You know, they, they couldn't be seen from the, the street, but it, some some of the other tents were, were more visible, but very, very small few, maybe two, maybe three. But the rest of them were all in behind and there was quite a lot of them. You know, at one stage, like there was well over 20 tents in up there and there could have been one and two staying in each tent. And, and Katrina, are these people who don't want to use homeless shelters or are they people who can't get into homeless homeless shelters? It's a mix of both. It's a mix of both. Like some people would queue and there wouldn't be a bed there for them and they'd go back up to the tent then to sleep that night. If they got a bed, they'd stay in the bed. If they didn't, they'd have to go back up to the tent because at least keep them somewhat safe from the elements, you know. Because so. it was a wet night last night. I mean, yeah. we just started as yellow uh, rain warning. And then are we? Are you seeing and hearing about more violence aimed at what are very vulnerable people? Look, they're all very, very vulnerable. You know, if not to, like, homelessness, obviously, is, is the number one where the vulnerability kicks in. And then there are other complex issues, like there are addictions, there's mental health. There's people that are just suffering grief because they haven't, you know, the landlords have asked them to move out of their place. Rents have been raised, you know, and the landlords are, are saying they're selling up so that they can put the place back on the market and get more rent for it. People, there's a load of different reasons for why people are out there. But what's happening to them is they're becoming very, very frustrated. You know, you might hear the rain in the background while I'm talking to you. Mm. The people that are actually homeless, rough sleepers, around the streets in this weather, standing in doorways, standing anywhere they can but to get shelter. They'll be in shop malls to keep in out of the rain. They'll go into the libraries to keep in out of the rain. 
you know, there is no place for them to go for the, you know, to, you know, they don't have a home. That's what it is at the end of the day. They're all entitled to have some sort of a home. But we, what we need is... And we wonder need, why they turn to drink. But sure, they have to do something, I suppose, to yeah. numb the pain. Do you know, there'll be people out there that'll drink or take drugs no matter what. And we understand that and we understand that we can't do anything for the people that don't want that help. But there are the majority of people out there are crying out for help. They're begging and pleading for that help. And doors have been shut in their faces because every service here in Cork is stretched. The people that are working within these services and the people that are volunteering are doing their utmost and their best for, for to help everybody. So it's not that problem. The problem is the resources from the government. And again, as I said, the book stops with the government and so does the shame of all of this. You wouldn't see this happening in a third world country and it's happening here. You've our front line, like we've come on apparently in leaps and bounds and our services should all be going full speed ahead, not looking for this, not crying out for that. When you have people working on frontline services pleading for resources, something is wrong. When you have people dying on our streets, Something is wrong. The government has to prioritise what is wrong in this country and they've got to solve it and sort it out right now. Are we going to see more deaths like this? Yes, we are. Sad, lonely deaths for, you know, and, and for the families that are grieving. We are going to see them. The families will never be right after something like this. They're torn, they have to, you know, torn apart. The people that are in these situ in these circumstances, living that are homeless, their their hearts are torn apart. They're worried what's going to happen to them. We've a huge amount of suicides. You know, we've people just going into the river thinking that they can't take no more. You know, and and these are all very real things that are happening. We have revolving doors everywhere. We need treatment centres huge, big time. We need massive amounts of treatment centres. And, and then, Katrina, when when someone comes out of treatment, because I know in that in that interview yeah. I cited uh, about Timmy, he spoke two years ago about you know he he very openly spoke about how he battled uh, with alcohol addiction, but that how he battled through periods of sobriety only to have his life derailed again by relapses. When somebody comes out of a service, comes comes out of rehab, we need supports, don't we, to keep them on that we journey do. of sobriety? We do. We need a step-up facility for to go into that for a while, get the support that they need, get the encouragement and the confidence to be able to move on in their own home. There's no point in a person going into a treatment centre and coming out and pounding the streets again yeah. and trying to show up, trying to get into a hostel when the hostels are stretched beyond their limits. Yeah, and you know, and as I said, and I wasn't being flippant when it, when I said, you know, and we wonder why they drink. If you're out on a freezing cold day or when it's pouring out of the heavens, of course you're going to do something just to, to numb just to numb the pain, n- to yes. numb the pain of what's going yes. on in your your mind and exactly. your head and, and what's and, going and on around the, you. The savagery of it, like you know, Ed, could you imagine being out all day, you no, know, and all night no. in this weather? How you know you're not going to get the heat into you. You know, and all of this will affect your mental health anyway. So even a person that would be dabbling in in drink would end up taking more to numb this pain because you can understand this. You can say that it's right, but you can understand this. And that's what we have to do. We have to step over the fact that this is all happening and we have to try and help those that are suffering. 
because they are. You'll speak to anybody that's out there, and especially our young people, and they're crying out for help. They said, is there any way I can get help at all? Mm. Yeah, but they're they're looking. That's the sad part. They are looking for it. I mentioned that I was I was up in the city yesterday, and I I was struck by the number of homeless people that were you know sitting in doorways. You know, there was yeah. a, it was a group of young women sitting drinking cans of beer in, yeah. in a doorway. But you know what really got me? They they were they're young. They were they. I didn't. They all seemed to be so under thirty. Young. Yeah. So very very young. I mean, years ago we only had men. And the term used was men that were fond of the drink. Yeah. And they were middle-aged yeah. men and older men. They were. Yeah. Older, yeah. And then we start to get the women. And then we have the young people. You know, and it's awfully sad to see them. I mean, their lives have only just begun. And it's been, you know, driven out of them. Like, the, the, the will, you know, it's not the, even the will to, to survive. It's the will to live in some instances. And then when they're battered continuously, they just lose hope. And they just feel that this is it for the rest of their lives. And they resign themselves to that type of life and that type of living. Because so they, they don't have the help. They give and up. Again, again, I will say that the help that is there is tremendous. Yeah. But we haven't got enough of it. And this is where the government has to realise there's no point in just throwing pockets of this here and pockets of that somewhere thinking that, oh, this is great, this will work. It'll only feed so many. It doesn't kind of feed everybody. So we have to have the right support services for everybody and we need the treatment centres and again you, you take a look we need housing and we need single units for people there are plenty of people out there who will never get married who will never have a partner they'll be single for the rest of their life mm. and we have to look at that as well and all they need is a one bedroom that's a, that's a huge issue That and that's a, that's Massive. all yeah. over the city and county yeah, single is, people yeah. needing needing yeah. Uh, accommodation and just to to finish up and just to go back to Timmy's uh, interview where obviously it was yeah. on Christmas Day 2017 and, and he spoke it was lovely what he said about you but he also yeah. uh, spoke about it being the his happiest day for a long time yeah and that, he, he, he said that afterwards as well like that he felt really happy that day like you know and, and just to hear that alone you know because we tried to make Chris they happy and we try to make people feel look you are wanted you're needed you're needed here you know and and things like that and we try to do that and I suppose to hear it being said means a lot to us it means like that they, they kind of get what we're trying to do you know it's not just about the food or anything like that it's about everything else and on Christmas day we have people that come in and sing the Barrick Street band comes down the street and marches and then plays and should be only a small little place but when you see the brass then coming in on Christmas Day yeah. it's something else you know it's, God they're all fabulous things we've had Karen Underwood we've had Jack O'Rourke Linda Cullen we've had them all in here you know uh, singing on Christmas Day just because they they know that people you know it's a, it's a way of letting people know they know too what's going on and that they they want to show their support and their love so, you know the, the love that we have in this country and the goodwill that we have in this country is probably less in the whole world and this is what our government should be tapping into where there's a will and where there's love there's a way and we've got to look and nourish what we the Irish people are and the people that have come to live in this country as well so we, you know and, and whatever but to to embrace this this goodwill that's out there because people ask me does it do you, do you know does it bring a tear to your eye when you see this and when you see that and my answer is no because I have to be practical all the volunteers 
are very practical. We might kind of have a little cry after us, have a little talk and say how sad the situation was. But the one thing that will always get us emotional is when the people come in and do stuff for us. You know, just before Christmas, we have a whole school that marches through the whole city, but every single pupil, their principal and their teachers, and they all have a bag of groceries for us. And to see that, we call it Miracle and Little Hanover Street, you know. <laughs> I, but sure, you know. I, I remember talking to you a number of years ago when you started doing the, the Day for the Holy Communion Kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it was an elderly woman had contacted us uh, because she remembers the pain of her own mother on That's her, right, I for, remember that. And yeah. she, and she, I'm sure she went out and bought a communion dress. She did. She did. She bought a communion <laughs> and she, because she and saw, she, yeah. she remembers her mother struggling to get yeah. her a communion dress. Yeah. And have we moved far from that? And I think this is the point we need to make to the government. Yes, we might have a nice name worldwide and especially on the European field, but we need now to be nice. The government needs to be nice to us. It's people. They need to care about us and they need to care about the people that we are losing and especially our young people who, you know, this, all these people that are suffering like this, they get so traumatised that it's very hard for to bring some of them back. And this shouldn't be happening. No hope should be stamped out of anybody. There should always be hope. Yeah, don't take hope away from anyone. Uh, OK, and we'll finish with the words of what I thought it was gorgeous what Timmy said about you in in that interview when he was asked about Katrina Toomey. He said she had the most beautiful heart in Cork City. And you do, Katrina. You're amazing. Continue to do what you do uh, and we'll speak again. God bless and look after yourself. Take care. Take care. She's uh, That's Katrina Toomey joining us in Cork Penny Dinners as we remember Timmy Horahan. Originally from uh, Bantry, who sadly passed away at the weekend. May he rest in peace. Nick Richards, weekday afternoons from 1. C103. I'm at the finish line of the Women's Mini Marathon with Rita. How was it for you? It was great, yeah. It was great, yeah. I amazed myself. I'm quicker than I actually thought I would do. So you'll be back next year to do it again? I will, and I bring my daughter and more friends as well. Yeah. You'll be even faster next year? Even faster, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> What's the plan for the rest of the afternoon? Actually go home and uh, get lunch is ready for school. <laughs> You never stop being a mum, do you? No, never. No, that's it. Weekday afternoons from 1. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. One third of social housing tenants cannot afford to heat their homes. The figure was reported at the Irish Council for Social Housing, their national conference which took place last week. Joining me from the Irish Council for Social Housing uh, is Aideen E. Cleric, who is there. Let me get Aideen's title right because I know uh, the speaker. Good morning to you, uh, oh, Aideen. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm was the Director of Development. Director of Irish Development. Council. Thank you. I'm very, I'm very well. You're welcome How's to the program. Cork. Uh, pouring out of the heavens. Same here. Yeah. Yeah, same here. <laughs> now, is a lot of fuel poverty not down to people being unable to buy fuel, but rather the poor energy performance of their homes? Is, is that the problem here? That, I mean, that is part of the problem, all right. So a lot of there, we did a, a piece of research here in the Irish Council, and we would be an organisation where we've about 270 housing associations are members, and we have... Uh, they'd manage about and uh, about 35,000 homes. So we did a piece of uh, research in a couple of years ago, and um, it showed that um, a large number of the um, tenants in in um, in uh, housing uh, said they couldn't afford 
um, they found it uh, pretty unaffordable to heat their homes or for the energy um, charges. So the issue is really, I suppose, that, you know, homes aren't efficient um, and they need, you know, um, the housing stock is getting older. And, um, and they were built in an era where we didn't worry about energy ratings. Exactly. Exactly, yes. So, you know, with, with the changes in everyone looking to reduce carbon, on carbon fuels, you can imagine they're getting more expensive. So if you're in a house that is reliant on that kind of way of heating, that's very, very difficult. So, um, so yeah, that was a big focus, really, of our conference. Uh, we had our con- we just finished our conference last week uh, in Wexford. And um, so we were just at the conference. People were welcoming um, the 45 million that's going to be um, spent by the government in the budget on retrofitting. So because, you know, Retrofitting, looking at homes um, and looking at their energy performance um, and improving that can be, can be alleviated. You know that that can be done. And as I said, one in three of our tenants um, need it. That, that they find it. You know, and of course, because retrofitting is also necessary for for climate action. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And actually, we had um, we had uh, the our social, our community housing awards, which is one of the main um, social housing uh, awards in the country. We had that on um, uh, at the conference as well. And a number, there were a record number of entries from Cork, by the way. Right. And a lot of the housing schemes at once were, as well as being brilliant housing schemes in themselves, also were paying attention to this idea of future-proofing. Um, but you probably know, you did you hear some of the winners, like the abandoned uh, geriatric and community council there they won the overall award for housing of older people that's a fantastic scheme it is that. brilliant yeah. yeah yeah and it's really it's lovely it's it is it, 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 all the houses are three rated there there is it's small it's in the town uh, very sympathetic to the um architecture of you know Brandon being such a historic town but it's just absolutely gorgeous right bang in the middle of the town very suitable for uh, older people who can just nip to the shop. Um, yeah, so less, lessons can really be learned from a scheme like that for for others to follow suit. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And Cork City Council won uh, for their scheme in Orthwira, um in Cork City. Um, I was down looking at that one again. Another fantastic example of sustainability. But the, what they did was it, it was um, there's uh, 30 beautiful new homes and it's it was built they were built on a one acre site a derelict bungalow site and what's brilliant about it is that it allowed um older people who were in houses that were too big for them to right size as they say that's the term mm-hmm. uh, and so there's a mixture of small uh bungalow type houses and uh, also um the apartment types absolutely beautiful um, and it's you know right bang in the mirror to shops again really good schemes so they got the overall um, well done older well, people so well Cork, done. Cork scooped up uh, that, that is good to hear and as you say good news that there's 45 million euro uh, was yes. allocated for yes. uh, refitting in the budget uh, retrofitting okay I have to leave it uh, there Aideen listen thank okay. you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme today alrighty bye bye that bye-bye. is uh, Aideen Leclerc who is Head of Development with the ICSA
1850 John Paul is taking your course. We're going to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. Uh, we will be talking about the Cork to Limerick motorway. Number of accidents on that road at the moment where an ambulance needs to be called. And we'll also speak with the overall winner of the Volunteer of the Year for 2019. Martina O'Donoghue. Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your thoughts coming in reacting to my chat with uh, the wonderful Katrina Toomey of Penny Dinners as we remember Timmy Horahan from Bantry who was murdered in a park in Cork City, a park where he's been living in a tent for some time. Darren in Bishopstown says so many homeless people that Darren is aware of through the work that he does in the city centre. Um, and, and by the way, he knew uh, Timmy as well. Uh, time and time again, he says we are saying who will be next situation of people living in tents will have to stop uh, it just cannot become the norm yeah and Katrina said that that Timmy herself and the other homeless people they're all looking at each other nervously wondering who's going to be the next and Timmy himself when he gave that very moving in- interview to the Times uh, Christmas two years ago actually mentioned the sense of his sense of loss following the death of a homeless lady that was Kathleen O'Sullivan she was a lady in her 40s who had died on the streets early in December of 2017 so Timmy was was talking about it you know less than two years ago and little did he know less than two years he would be taken uh, as well Uh, thank you Darren for your text uh, or your call Derek in Mallow says Patricia this will become the norm now with so, that so many people cannot afford to buy their own homes and with many landlords selling up their property people are finding themselves without a home and they simply cannot find another property to rent more and more people are becoming homeless well that's why and I suppose there's two and I mentioned that at the top of the programme there's two kind of distinct categories home, I know homelessness is homelessness but you've got the you have the 10,000 odd people over 10,000 people who are living in emergency accommodation, those that are living in hotels, those that are living in B&Bs, people who would have been renting properties, people perhaps even owned their own properties, but uh, lost them and they can't find suitable accommodation to rent. They end up in emergency accommodation. Or then you've got people who through addiction are on the streets, who are living rough, who are staying in shelters at night, who are living in these uh, tents. So there's two, two group. Every All of those people need help, but the people who are, who's bodies and lives are racked by addiction. They need additional help and additional services. Dan in Ballinhasic said, I actually shed a tear this morning over that man, Timmy. It is just so sad. I read over the weekend that they want to erect a steel type structure outside the central bank. Now, I imagine this is some kind of artwork, is it, in Dublin? Uh, Dan says it'll cost €300,000 to build. Wouldn't that build a decent house for some family? Who who goes on to make all of these decisions, says Dan in Ballinhasic. And Vera in Middleton says it's so easy for people to become homeless today with house prices so high and rents so high. Professional workers are even struggling 
to pay rent and find accommodation. So what hope do people with addiction who are on the streets, what hope do they have? And Dennis uh, also works in the city centre. He said there are many buildings have come up in the city centre of late, but property developers are buying them. Some of these buildings should have been purchased by compulsory purchase order by the council and hand them over to the homeless services. Let the homeless services then either turn them into shelters or turn them into more permanent accommodation for homeless uh, people. It seems to be the property developers are doing all the winning, says uh, Dennis, and homeless people are left high and dry. And Eileen in Ballincollig says, could we not set up some kind of a system like they do with direct provision to help our homeless, particularly, particularly the people that are living rough on the street? Could we have almost like direct provision for homeless people where they would have a bed at night and they'd have meals every day? and they wouldn't have to be sleeping out in tents and they wouldn't have to be sleeping in uh, doorways. Thank you for that. Not a bad suggestion. Hi, Patricia. My sympathy to the family of the deceased gentleman, Timmy Horaham. I just want to make the point that addiction is rampant on the streets of Cork with drugs and more so alcohol. Cheap alcohol needs to be taken off the shelves and its availability greatly reduced. This country has is out of control when it comes to people suffering with drink problems. And the most disturbing thing about it all is that getting drunk in this country is seen as socially acceptable, which is frightening as alcohol is the most destructive drug available. That's from a text or no no name on that. Thank you for that. And Kathleen says, Hi Patricia, I was listening to your piece on homelessness in the last hour and that poor man that died over the weekend. I visited Spike Island about two weeks ago and I went there for the first time with some of the old residents on the island caught my eye. I found it a very sad place but I also found it a very beautiful place. But then, says Kathleen, I actually came away very cross to see all of those beautiful underutilised buildings on Spike Island Isn't that a wonderful amenity that's right under our noses? Couldn't Spike Island be a place that could be used to house homeless people? People who've got addiction issues, set up treatment centres and step-down facilities for them until they get their life back on track. Spike Island could also, says Kathleen, be used as a boot camp. Could be used for teenagers to help them go off the straight and narrow. Uh, Send them there in a boot camp situation and give them the guidance that they need to avoid becoming the homeless figures of the future. God says Kathleen, it's a no-brainer. Has anybody, I was out on Spike Island last year, yeah, it's it's a fabulous spot. Would anybody think that it would be suitable for homeless people and like homeless people with addiction so that they, they could go there? Because Katrina says that homeless people are screaming out for help. People who are addicted to alcohol and our drugs don't want to be addicted. They want help. This gentleman, Timmy himself, was very proud of his periods of sobriety. But unfortunately, his life always derailed into relapses. If he had the proper help and support, would he still be with us uh, today? I don't know how the homeless people themselves would feel about going out onto uh, Spike Island, but is it something that should be looked at? And Kathleen's other suggestion, could we set it up as a boot camp for teenagers, a place for them to go if families felt that they're on a slippery road going nowhere, a road that's leading to addiction, a road that's leading them down uh, drugs and families worried about their teenage sons and daughters. If there was a facility, organised facility, could Spike Island be 
a possible location. 1850 333 103. Your thoughts and comments welcomed. Now, onto something completely different for a moment. A listener says, and this is one of these issues that comes up every year around this time, so it's come up again today. Hi, Patricia. As a regular mass goer, why do some of the priests still insist on using the sign of peace? I know it is optional. But at this time of the year, when people have colds and flus, surely all it is doing is spreading infections. What about the people who have weak immune systems who are attending Mass? Surely they should at least provide hand sanitizers at Mass on the way in and then on the way out again that people could hand sanitise. I don't know if any church actually does hand sanitizers. I do know of people who would bring a little bottle of a hand sanitizer in their bag for the ladies in their handbags with them and will very discreetly wipe their hands after shaking hands with some somebody. I know before when we've mentioned this I've heard of again it's more the ladies do it than the gentlemen will wear gloves and they'll leave the gloves on and they feel that's a way of protecting themselves but it is you write in that at this time of year, the Aussie flu is what everybody is talking about. And we here in Ireland are at risk of this new round of Aussie flu uh, this winter. And they're saying it's particularly vicious strain and it could affect the elderly. Public health officials are bracing for a potentially difficult flu season because they look firstly to the flu outbreak that gripped Australia this year because obviously they have their winter before us. They're coming out of their winter into their spring and into their summer. More than 300,000 flu cases were recorded in Australia this year. That's a very high figure. With the outbreak taking hold two months earlier than it normally does. So that's obviously a worry for us here. The flu season in this part of the world often and does mirror what happens in the Southern Hemisphere. That's why the officials look to Australia every year to see what's going on there. Now, one person has already been hospitalised here with a strain of flu and it was the strain of flu which caused the highest level of illness in Australia. It's the AH3N2 strain. Uh, Simon Harrison, who last week was launching the HSC's the Winter Flu Vaccine Campaign, and they are encouraging people to go and get their flu jab. The HSE say that during a severe flu season, there can be potentially a thousand flu related deaths. Now, a bad flu season here, obviously, is also going to put huge pressure on hospital overcrowding in the coming months. We already have a trolley crisis. It will escalate the trolley crisis. Three cases of flu have already been diagnosed and one person has been hospitalised with the illness. The strain that is striking in Ireland so far is the H3N2 flu virus and that again was one of the main forms of the infection in Australia. All regular dose flu shots this year will have a quadrivariant vaccine. What does that mean? It protects against four different strains of the virus as opposed to it was a three strain one that they've been giving out in previous years and the vaccine that you will get if you go to your doctor or to your chemist or your public health nurse. The vaccine covers the strains which have been circulating in Australia and everyone in the at-risk group is asked to please get vaccinated. Now, recent national uptake figures indicate that 68 
and a half percent of people aged 65 and over who hold a medical card or a GP visit card received the flu vaccine last year and that actually was up the year before it was at 57.6 so more people got it last year and that they're hoping that that number will even increase this year. People need to remember that flu causes severe illness and it can and it does cause death in Ireland. That's why those who are most vulnerable to the complications of the flu need to be vaccinated and the flu vaccine is the best defence against the flu. It reduces infection and it's, and also uh, associated illnesses that could lead you having to go to hospital. Flu is very infectious. It can cause potentially serious illness, especially for older people, those who have a chronic illness, those who have a weakened immune system and of course it can be very serious for pregnant women as well. And seasonal flu vaccines can be given at any stage of pregnancy and it also protects the baby. So it is important to go and get your flu vaccine and know the flu vaccine does not give you the flu. This comes up every year. People will all, oh I know of somebody, she was fine, went off and got the flu vaccine and she had the flu the next day. She didn't or he didn't. What normally happens is if somebody's got the flu vaccine and they ended up coming down with some kind of a, a cold, it won't necessarily be the flu. Remember to actually get the flu, you can't get out of bed if, if you're that when you actually get the full-blown flu. But you can get other coughs and colds and, and viruses and sometimes it's just a coincidence you were breeding a cold, you were coming down with a, a virus and it's just a coincidence that you got the flu vaccine on a Monday and on Tuesday you're coughing and splashing. But the actual vaccine itself will not give you the flu, but it will certainly protect you going forward. So please, if you're in the at-risk group or you know of somebody in the at-risk group, would you encourage them please to go and get their flu uh, jab? But I tie that in with the listener who is talking about going to Mass and people with poor hand hygiene I suppose is what it is I mean it's if you go to Mass or you're going to church and you have a cough or a cold and you're coughing and splutting and we all put our hand up to our mouth that's the danger is that you're going to have the virus or whatever it is on your hand and then if you shake hands uh, with somebody but and I know this listener is saying when you go to Mass it is optional but it's very hard if you're standing beside somebody and they offer the sign of peace. I don't know, has anybody ever been refused? I certainly would never, if somebody put a hand out, would never, ever uh, refuse it. But if people are nervous about it, it's that issue that comes up. I know sometimes you will have some churches who will decide if there's a, if flu, if this flu gets a grip on this country, you will hear some churches announce that they're not going to do the sign of peace until after the flu season and inevitably we'll hear about it and we'll have people saying great decision I wish they do that in my church as well but it's good hand washing skills and proper hand hygiene that we need and what's interesting about that is Irish women we are better at washing we have better hand washing habits than men it's a survey by initial hygiene they're the crowd and they do all the towels inside in the just seen an initial hygiene. I'm sure I've seen that. You know, when you go into a hotel or into any public toilet and you see the where you dry your hands and the towels. Anyway, that group, I'm assuming that's who they are. They found that 87% of women wash their hands before a meal compared to just 13% of men. It's revealed that 90% of us spend less than the recommended 20 seconds washing our hands and nearly 50% of people do not use soap when washing your hands. They just, you know, you run in rinse it under the tap and that's it so you need to spend at least 20 seconds 
carefully washing your hands but you also need to use soap you don't have to have hot water we only we get into we do hot water because it's nicer for us but cold water works just as well but you do you need to use soap and you need to give your hands a good old scrub so she's doing it here in the background for at least 20 seconds seconds and seemingly while us ladies are better at washing our hands we're just not doing it properly and if we want to try to keep the flu at bay and avoid getting it and particularly if you're in a situation at the mass with the sign of peace which is coming up there good hand hygiene but maybe bring the little bottle of hand sanitizer with you if you think that that will be of any use to you. 1850 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Capita Customer Solutions. They're holding recruitment open days. Now, it's for telesales agents. They'll be in the, Mer- the Metropole Hotel on McCurtain Street to, on Wednesday and thir- Thursday of this week. It's walk-in interviews. You see somebody just uh, calling any time between 10am and 6pm. Experienced construction labourers are wanted for work all over Cork City and County. While a caretaker is wanted for community employment position, that's in Rathmore Community Centre. And part-time bar person is wanted to work in Aherla. You'll find all the job details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This Friday is a free Family Pass Friday for Spooky Town on C103. We want to send you and the whole family to Spooky Town at Foda Island Resort. It's a fun-filled adventure full of hocus-pocus for the young to the young at heart. Listen all day this Friday for your chance to win free tickets to Spooky Town every hour. Spooky Town at Foda Island Resort with C103. According to figures released from the National Ambulance Service, at least one road accident a week requiring an ambulance occurs on the Cork to Limerick Road. The figures were released to Cork East. Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock who joins me. Good morning to you Sean. Good morning Patricia. Now do these figures alone prove just how dangerous this road has become? Well what prompted me to put on the parliamentary question to the Minister was the fact that I we live on the more or less uh, you know on the, the Cork Limerick Road and what I'm struck by is the the amount of times you'll hear ambulances or, you know, Gardaí, you know, passing. Uh, and of late, it, it seems to have become more prevalent. So I decided to put on my parliamentary question. The minister responded uh, to say that the HSC via the National Ambulance Service would respond. And I asked for the figures to date for the year 2019. And I was told that there were 36 call-outs uh, which were attributable to uh, road traffic accidents or collisions. That suggests to me that that figure is high, uh, given that we're not, you know, fully completed the year yet. And it suggests to me that more and more that that road is becoming, uh, you know, more dangerous if there are that number of call-outs. And we're coming into the winter months, which we're, which we're normally we months. see more accidents. That's it. Anecdotally, we will hear of accidents, you know, near the towns respective towns that we all live in, so be that Bodifant or Charleville or, or Mallow, you know, or closer to the city. But when you collate the figures and if it amounts to 36, that's that's just too high. There are too many, what they call RTAs, too many collisions. And I think what it does is it speaks to the need to ensure that the pressure is maintained to keep the M20 motorway, you know, on the political agenda and to ensure that you know, the towns of Mallow, Budafant and Charleville when they're choosing the, the specific route because
because everybody is saying that that's the route that will be chosen. But I haven't seen the absolute proof of that we're getting the right noises in relation uh, to that route. But increasingly, I'm hearing a lot more whisperings in relation to the possibility of them taking a route, say, from Limerick, uh, through to Brary Town and on to Cairn. Yeah, this this got mentioned, I think, last year. And I remember initially it was poo-hooed and all that never happened. But there does seem to be momentum behind it. Well, what the what Transport Infrastructure Ireland will tell you is that, you know, they absolutely and utterly, um, you know, can't give you the exact route that is going to be chosen. Um, they might speak in probabilities and possibilities. But sometimes what it, sometimes there are campaigns that happen underneath the surface, for instance, where things get whispered in people's ears. And for instance, you know, there was some degree of traction from the Limerick side, from the Limerick side, to take a route on, to meet the M8 coming up from Care. Um, and I don't know how much political traction, and that's coming from Fine Gael Circle. And it's now, a cheaper, isn't it a cheaper option? If you're looking well, at it just purely on cost? We, 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 if you're looking at it purely on cost, possibly, arguably, yes. But if you're looking at the the massive amount of uh, congestion that takes place in Charleville uh, and ensuring that, for instance, you open up the southwest, mm. because if, if you take a route from Limerick to Care, you're opening up the route to the southeast. And what, like if you talk to the Healy Rays or talk to any Kerry TD, they will tell you, that they have to go a long time before they meet a motorway. Mm. Uh, you know, so if you're talking about businesses east of Mallow and in across to the Kerry border who want to apply their trade into Dublin, then they arguably they'll have to be getting onto a route that meets Mallow, Bodavent or Charleville, you know, to head head on for, for Dublin. I am of the view that we have to, you know, bypass Mallow, we have to bypass Bodavent and we have to bypass Charleville. That was the they, those were the pre existing that was the pre-existing route selection in 2011, and I'm still hopeful and reasonably, you know, optimistic that that will be the case. But we just have to maintain vigilance. But you're and, cautious. You're, you're being. Oh, you're, oh you're, I don't take this for granted whatsoever, yeah. Patricia. Not at all. And, and I'm constantly in the ears of ministers uh, about this. You know, onto the onto TII about this as well, because we need that route selection. Not only for the fact that we need the route selection done as soon as possible, but also to give certainty to people who are living on these routes and also to landowners as well who are going to be engaged in uh, negotiations who still, as yet, uh, do not know exactly where they they stand. Okay, so, I mean, for decades we've been talking about the the need for this M20 uh, motorway. The design contract was awarded earlier this year. Is Is it all on track? Where are we at? Well, my understanding is that it is all on track. My understanding is that companies have been hired to take the process forward. I haven't heard anything from the minister to suggest that there is a delay. And, you know, again, there was mention made of the M20 in the budget documentation, but there were no specifics put around, uh, you know, timelines. I'm still given to understand that it's 2027. Uh if that's the case, you know, we, we'll all live with that. But what we do need to ensure is that it is still on the political agenda, that Brexit doesn't shift it, 
that the National Children's Hospital, that it, it needs political weight behind it because very often what happens is that if there isn't political noise about these projects, they can very easily be sidelined if, for instance, economically things were to take a bit of a downturn. And my argument consistently has been that if it's not only about the link between Cork and Limerick, it's also about the link to the southwest of the entire country, which is Limerick, Kerry, Cork, and so on, and West Cork, you know. So we just need to ensure that we maintain the the the, the pressure yeah, on yeah, and the momentum. Uh, and with nobody knowing what way Brexit is going to pan out, that's also a concern. Well, well, there there are concerns there, and you know, again, you would hope that the government would still make provision, notwithstanding any shocks that might come to the economy as a result of uh, Brexit. And I always say that there's a way of funding these projects in the event of shocks anyway through financing from, for instance, the European Investment Bank and other, you know, global entities, if you will. But if we go back to the core point about the 36 road traffic collisions, 36 is a very high statistic in, in and we're not even in, we're just about into the fall of the year now. 36 uh, road traffic collisions does, to my mind, I think by any objective measure, make the road a dangerous road. Mm. And I think it's becoming more dangerous now. I think uh, I'm finding driver behaviour on the road uh, is becoming more dangerous because people are anxious to, you know, I, I noticed it particularly through Mallow, through the roundabouts, and Mallow people are absolutely speeding through those roundabouts. Well, people are getting frustrated if they've been in a tailback of traffic. Exactly. And then they stupidly decide, uh, I'm late, I need to get here. Uh, and then, they, yeah, and, and, and they And there's they no speed. gain at the end of the day. Because Absolutely you, you not. And, you know, when you talk about 36 accidents, that's 36 accidents requiring an ambulance. There was many more that didn't require an ambulance. That's uh, a dangerous this the, road. This is the point, you see. We don't know how many, what the total number of call-outs are. But, you know, if, if we have a metric to go on, which is 36 road traffic collisions, we don't have the breakdown as to where that breaks down from very minor to, to very major. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of it is anecdotal, but we do have a figure of 36. So 36 between Cork and Limerick is, to my mind, that's a high statistic. Yeah, absolutely. That does render the road dangerous. And I think it means that something must be done to ensure that the road is made good. And the only way you make the road good is by ensuring that the M20 Cork-Limerick is absolutely complete. Okay, and before I let you go, I saw, I was reading over the weekend in the Corkman, a piece that you did with uh, Bill Brown that I think a lot of Mallow people will be interested in. You're calling on Cork County Council to take back ownership of Mallow Pay Parking. Explain why. Well, since 2004, uh, APCOA has been paid $1.4 by the people of Mallow, to, you know, for the provision in of fines. In fines, but also for the contract that they operate in the town of Mallow. And at present, there is no consensus. Sorry, no, sorry no, that, that's 2014. Yeah, 2014. Sorry, you said 2004. Yeah, sorry, my it's, so, it's 2000, so, so from 2014 up to now, 1.3 million in five years. That's it. And it, it's 1.4 million since 2014. But this year alone, for instance, in 2019, APCOA has taken over 100,000 euros out of the town of Mallow to operate the service. And so obviously a certain amount of revenue goes to, you know, back into the coffers of Cork County Council. Mm. But what APCOA has cleared for its own bottom line, if you will, is 105,000 euros. 
And since 2014, APCOA, for its own bottom line, has taken one point, uh, since 2014, 1.4 million euros. So if I go to the town of Middleton now, for instance, I can park my car for, I'm, I'm told it's two hours free parking. If I go to Mitchellstown, there's a completely different regime. If I go to Formoy, you know, you have a traffic warden. What I'm asking, I suppose, the councillors to do is to consider that when it comes up for the renewal of the contract for APCOA, that the councillors in unison on a non-partisan, cross-party basis would work together in the Mallow municipal area to say, hold on a second, we are now asking the council to say we're going to take back control of the parking regime, we're going to hire traffic wardens, and we're going to have fairness with other towns, equality with other towns, and consistency with other towns. Because I don't think it's fair for any resident of Mallow you know, to, to have to pay what they're paying for in the charges that they're paying, where, for instance, you have to, you, when you come to the town of Mallow, you've half an hour, then you're of free parking, and then you're racing back to put a ticket in. I, I received a fine not too terribly long ago. It was a Saturday. Uh, would you believe it? Absent-mindedly, I'd actually paid for the ticket. I had the job done before I realised it. Put my ticket on the dashboard, but I parked up beside the Patrician Academy where they were saying, Parking was only for buses. They're for school buses. No school buses. You on know, a Saturday. School on a Saturday. Yeah. I was fined 40 euros. The difference between having an APCOA or any other private entity and a traffic warden is that the traffic warden will exercise a little bit of compassion. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, you know, absolutely. If it's a municipal and, and actually, we, we had another woman that contacted me uh, that highlighted that I was glad to highlight because I was unaware of this. She had been out in the morning and did a bit of shopping and she got it all done in the free half an hour. She only was only 25 minutes and uh, she went about her business. And then in the afternoon, she was bringing her mother. She was dropping her mother downtown. So she parked, dropped her mother, uh, wherever the mother was going, and then came back to the car and had a parking ticket. And she said, you know, I'm only here for 20 minutes. I have a half an hour. And they said, no, we clocked your car this morning. You used up your half an hour free parking this morning. Yeah. And, 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 I and I was unaware of that. Well, well, I was aware of it because I've recently helped a person in Mallow overturn a fine on the basis that she did exactly the same thing and we made a case on behalf of that person and the fine was overturned on appeal. I just say for the record, I paid my fine. I did didn't you? speak to appeal just for the record. Yeah, because <laughs> but I it's word, I warn, warn, word of warning. I would have thought those school bus spots on the weekend were, were a free game for everybody. Well, well I, I think I would have legitimate grounds, but I'm only one example. I probably would have legitimate grounds to appeal the decision on the basis that there are no bus air and buses or uh, other private services. On a Saturday or Sunday. During the weekend. Yeah. But just to, to, to finish the point on the pay parking, I think it's it's vitally important that you have consistency right across the county. Not only do you have to scramble back to your car after half an hour in Mallow, you know, if if you come back into town a second time, you 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 know you you don't you have people snooping, so to speak, and I call it a you know they're using cameras at core are using cameras to log people who come into town in the morning, so that there might be an off chance that they might catch them in the afternoon. That fair. kills business, it kills commerce. But what it does is it kills the social and cultural life of a town as well because people become reluctant to come into a town. And the bottom line here is that there's no consistency. The case I'm making is that if you, for everything to be fair across the county, there needs to be consistency in the parking regimes. And you can't have a situation where in one town you've two hour free parking with no traffic wardens and people can park there for the day. 
versus a town like Mallow, where, you know, there's 1.42 million going out of the town. And, you know, how many of us as TDs or, you know, uh, councillors are inundated with people trying to fix potholes, you know, traffic lights, traffic camming? That's 1.42 million of revenue that was lost to the town. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and very finally, listener says, well, you've got Sean on. Could you ask him what he thinks about the rapid built houses in Mallow that they're due to start near Forest View in the Goulds Hill area? They're for elderly and people with special needs. Are you aware of that? I, I am because I, I live not too too far from that. And, you know, it's good to see a housing mix, you know, coming into play where you're, you know, meeting a, a demographic, if you will, a coterie of people that have, you know, quite particular needs. And if, if I was to make a general point about housing in towns like Mallow, Foy or Mitchelstown now, Mitchelstown or, or Cove or Middleton or Yall, is what there is now is there is a, an absolute need where I'm perceiving from talking to people who are older, who are empty nesters, who want to downsize now into houses that are appropriate, into community-type settings, if you will, and there's a big demand for that. But but at the same time, you know, you do need... We, we, we need more local authority housing, affordable housing in towns, but you have to make sure that the infrastructure is there to meet that. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no point in building houses if it means that the infrastructure isn't appropriate for it. And and that's where the big challenge is for a lot of towns towards okay. North Cork. OK, we're over on time. Sean, listen, thank you thank for you. that and thanks for joining us. That is Cork East Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock, 1850 Hey, it's Simon back in the morning from six. You know, it's so nice to talk to the listeners every morning and get paid compliments like this. You... You're too kind. Back tomorrow with €1,820 to give away. I've got Cork's greatest hits and everything you need for the perfect morning soundtrack across the Rebel County. Great show. Listen to you every day. Brilliant. See you in the morning. See Last Friday night, we had a wonderful event at the Kingsley Hotel for the inaugural staging of the Cork Volunteer Awards. Ten very worthy winners from across Cork City and County picked up awards with an overall award of the C103 Cork Volunteer of the Year 2019 also presented. The winner of that award is uh, Sharon Mullins from the organisation Feed Cork uh, who joins me on the line actually from London this morning. Good morning to you Sharon. Hi Patricia, how are you? Uh, Well I'm very well and once again congratulations uh, to you. I have to say because I was I got the honour of opening up the envelope so I knew who was after winning and and I looked at your face as I called it out you looked totally surprised. I mean you looked as if you were going to be the last person in that hall that was going to get that award. (laughs) That's exactly how I felt. (laughs) I suppose it's just I I was just so humbled by it you know I uh, yeah, I just don't have the words. Really, there were so many worthy recipients there, you know. So I was, uh, I, I was delighted, very honoured, and you know, it was just such a lovely thing for for the organisation to do, and for Hampton to nominate me, you know. But um, again, like anybody else who volunteers, you don't do it for recognition; you do it because it's so rewarding. Yeah, and but it's you great know? that we have opportunities like that where we where we can recognise people. Uh, remind um, Sharon our listeners about Feed Cork, the organisation and the work that you do. Okay, well we're um, we're we're a food bank, but of course I'm always saying we're way more than a food bank because there are so many we have so many branches of you know different things that we do know, and I suppose the people that we're trying to reach are the families and homes and people in emergency accommodation. Um, because, you know, so many people in homes with their high rents and everything else, mm. 
Um, so they're the people we're trying to reach. Um, we're based in Cork City down the end of Oliver Plunkett Street. Um, we pack our food on a Tuesday. We open to our clients on a Wednesday and we have um, non-perishable food. We also add fresh stuff to that every week. The other thing we have is a cafe that's open to our clients. And it's not just your run-of-the-mill cafe. It's just a beautiful cafe because if you're if you're watching your money with food, you certainly aren't going to go to a coffee shop. And yeah. we have the best of coffee. The coffee comes from Cafe Torino in Washington Street. They donate it to us every week. So it's just... It's and just people just call experience. in and use it like a normal cafe, except you just don't they pay. Do, well, they can because we would have people that would... You see, we have an open-door policy. Right. So, I mean, if somebody comes in and says they don't want food... They might want to come in and have a chat with somebody. And that's absolutely fine because, you know what, we're time poor. A lot of people are time poor. And I suppose where we we reached a lot of people lately was with, um, we had a school pack um, that we gave out. So we gave out something like 700 last year. And Hamp, our director, got back onto the Department of Social Protection. It comes from... And he asked them to treble that amount. So it was 2,300. We pounds. mentioned that. Yeah, we, we had yeah, so many so people I mean, asking how they could pick them up and, and where they could go. And, yeah, and your weekly food. Brilliant. So people would come every week and, and you just, it's like a hamper of food to keep them going for the week, is it? Is, is that the yeah, kind of thing? And yeah. the, the, it is. And the only thing we would ask people to do is to bring their own bags. Yeah. Because again, you know, we're trying to do our bits of the environment as well. And you know, no, the majority of them would, you know. But, um, yeah, they would come in, they would have things like cereal. Like, I suppose what we're trying to do is make sure, not that they'd have enough food for the week, but you give them enough to keep them going for a few days, no yeah. more often than that. Some of them might come in the second week. We wouldn't actually have all the same people every week. You know what I mean? It's some when somebody needs like, a bit of a dig out, I don't have any food exactly. to feed. Yeah. Because exactly. only, only last week we heard from a woman, out. it was a woman living in, in the county in her 60s, herself mm-hmm. and her husband, uh, and everything is going to pay the mortgage and to keep the roof over yeah. the, over their head. But they go hungry yeah. because she said when, they, when she gets all her bits and pieces, she'll have 50 cent left for the week. Now, all she needs is for something to go wrong. You know what I mean? To run out of something. Exactly. And 50 cents exactly. won't buy her anything. It's just... So yeah, it's it's families like that that you don't exactly. see or hear a lot about in no, the no, media. No, they don't... Yeah, they don't... You know, they don't... Um, do you know something? Irish people, uh, we're, we're embarrassed about everything, but for us, we try to have... Well, we, we people are very welcome when they come in to us. And what we actually found was when we gave out those school packs, a lot of the families that came in have actually come back. Great. And we're delighted because... You know, we introduce ourselves. It's um, completely confidential. You know, we do keep um, an account of who comes in because a lot of our food comes from the feed programme, so we're required to keep an account of it so that we know where it's going, but obviously nothing identifiable is shared. Yeah. It's just, I can't, you know, no, I don't have the words to explain what a wonderful place it is because when you're coming, people are just so open. It's just a lovely place to just sit down and have a coffee. As I say, some people, they might not have spoken to anybody all week. You don't know what anybody is walking out of in the morning, you know what I mean, and they're coming to your door. Well, this is it. You can you can be working with somebody. You can be meeting somebody at the school gates. You can be mm-hmm. chatting with somebody if you're out for a walk. You have no idea what's going on behind somebody else's closed Absolutely door. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you know, no, we've had, you know, I've had people say to me, Oh, I saw this one pull up in her, whatever. Yeah, her 191 Jeep. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I often say to you know, there for the grace of God, go away. I said, you just don't know what's going on behind anyone's door. 
So, like, we're non-judgmental. Well we don't done. judge well anybody. Done. And, and that's exactly the way it should be, you know. And you were also incredible in the amount of time that you give up. And that's the reason that, I mean, any of the volunteers that you work with, you would probably say could have picked up the award. But it's the amount of time you give. They yeah. reckon around 25 hours a week as you manage all the volunteers. You're unreal. And while that's all going on, Sharon, what a lot of people will be unaware of, the reason that you're joining me on the line from London, you flew in on Friday night and you were on the first flight back out on Saturday morning because your daughter is in London. Yeah, well, my daughter, she, well, she lives with us at home, but she had to come to the Princess Grace to have some surgery here that wasn't available to her at home. Um, well, we had some of the equipment at home, but they don't use it for for Jessica, people like Jessica who needed to have the surgery she had. And, um, yeah, so unfortunately, we, we had to come here. And um, and how know, how I, is she doing? She's actually, you know, she's not doing too bad at all. She's doing exactly as she's been told. Okay. Um, so she's just recovering here herself. And, um, you know, it's just my, my son is at home. So, you know, it was, you know what I mean? Just having to tear your family out and bring them over to, to another country when we shouldn't have to. You know, when yeah. we take so far down the line. It's just, um, it's infuriating, but anyway, and it's, that it's, one go. And she, I know, and that it's, she's okay. I was, I was, I follow her on, um, she's got a fantastic face, uh, Facebook and, yeah. and blog. She's, she's a, she's yeah. very talented uh, young woman. Uh, she's, she's a real incredible. gift, real gift for, for writing. It, it was covered by her insurance, wasn't it? Her, the cost. Yeah, the majority was. Obviously, you have residual costs as yeah. well. No, but you know something? As she said to me, the sad thing is she was lucky that she had insurance. What about all the people who were, who were in her situation with us? I know. You know what I mean? Where, where you're being asked to fund it first and then they'll give you the money back. You know what I mean? You might be in a position to do that. But, um, but and look, it's, she's, it's a pretty, it, it sounds like a f- fairly rare, it's, it's a form of endometriosis, isn't it, that she has? No, well, she, she actually, she'd been diagnosed with endometriosis, but as it turned out, she didn't have it. Okay. But what she had mimicked it perfectly. Yeah, because the pain of endometriosis oh, is dreadful. Just you, you just have, it was just incredible. Like, I mean, she had the surgery uh, last Saturday, the fifth of October, and the next day that pain was gone from her face. I just, wow. I mean, she's had major surgery, but it was done by this. It was done robotically by the Da Vinci robot, um, which is available. Unreal where we're going with that kind of... We we actually have it in the CUMH, but she didn't have... um, They didn't have a lot of the diagnostic equipment here, and, you know, it's until he went in to do the hysterectomy, that's when he discovered what actually was wrong. So, So, yeah, it was infection that she had that was mimicking the... Yeah, and and she's had... Four years, it wasn't active. Say when she had the surgery, and you know something. Oh, even the surgery here is so comfortable. He gave her a USB with the um, surgery on it, so she can view that, and no doubt she will. Oh my God! I know, I know. I, I won't be. Don't worry, I won't be looking at it. But it was just to show her like what had gone on. So comfortable, I thought. You know. And she's had a full hysterectomy. She is at twenty-seven. Ah, yeah. bless her heart. So, so that's tough. Um, that's tough. Yeah, but you know something. She's she, out of pain. In May of this year, she worked for the European Parliament. She was Leona Rita's um, assistant, and she had, you know, she was working away, and Leah gave her time off for surgeries and stuff. But she's been so sick since then. So it's great to see her now on the up. And yeah. thank God for twenty twenty, she's a powerhouse and she's well. So she's unreal. You know, she's and, a, and she's she unreal. Actually, 
she got an award herself then on Saturday. She did. She did. She got <laughs> one of the most aspiring women uh, award. Yeah, that was so. that totally well deserved. We might chat with yeah. Jess when she comes back and she's back. Yeah. And I, I, I would look forward to that. But in the meantime, Sharon, I can see where she gets her strength from having met oh, you on much. Friday night. You're, you're, you're a mighty woman. Keep doing what you're doing. Pass on our best wishes to Jessica. All right, and can I just say that whoever that couple that you were talking to, like there is a number for for the food bank there. So even if you contacted them, maybe there's someone in their area. Maybe we'd be able to help them. Aye, it was good. It was you know, good. so even if you even if you want to pass on the information and see if we can do anything okay. at all to help them. We'd be happy to do that. And please come and visit us sometime. I will indeed. I will indeed. Listen, uh, mind yourself. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. Sharon Mullins, what an incredible woman of uh, Feed Cork. Um, Once again, congratulations. And to her amazing daughter, uh, Jess, who picked up um, one of the Inspiring Women Awards that was given out by Michael Mulcahy's group on Saturday night. Another well-deserved award. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. By the way, we have been back end of last week and even this morning had uh, a call in about this Portuguese man of war, this jellyfish. It looks absolutely stunning. But by God, you wouldn't want to go anywhere near it. And they're washing up on our beaches. There's been a number of them have turned up on beaches across Cork and uh, Kerry. I know in Inchidani. I saw Adino Donovan put up a, a photograph. She was out walking and spotted one of these Portuguese man of war jellyfish. They're huge, big jellyfishes, fishes, and she certainly put up one in Inchidani. So they've been washing up in a number of uh, beaches. People are just a bit concerned about them all. And I suppose why are we seeing so many of them? Is it you know is this anything to do with climate change? I don't know. But also, if you come in contact with one of one of these Portuguese man of war jellyfish, the do's and the don'ts. So, Kevin. So people were, were ringing us looking for advice. And we ain't the experts in it, that's for sure. So we've made contact with a gentleman called Kevin Flannery, who is the director of Dingle Ocean World. And he actually has experience in dealing with these type of jellyfish. And he's going to join us on the programme tomorrow. So if you have a question, a query, a concern, or you want to find out more about the Portuguese man of war jellyfish, or you are a user of our beaches and you're worried about it, uh, make sure you're tuned our way tomorrow when Kevin will give us the lowdown on what exactly these jellyfish are and why we're seeing so many of them. 1850 103 and get on our Twitter at C103 Cork. We were talking about parking and in particular we were talking about pay parking in Mallow and the fact that Deputy Sean Sherlock is calling for pay parking which is in private ownership well the council gave it out by way of contract to uh, APCOA they're a private operator of the scheme and they have been running it since 2014 and Sean was able to go through the amount of money, the payments that have been made to this company for pay parking in Mallow and it's a lot of money and he's making the point that the contract is up I think it's in January of this year and rather than give the contract out again he's saying that Cork County Council should take a look at taking back control of Mallow pay parking and any money that will be generated then will go back into the coffers for Mallow. You know, on paper, it certainly seems like a good idea when you look at the amount of money that this company made in payments since uh, 2014 and in total for the from 2014 to 2018, because obviously this year is still ongoing, the final year, 1.3 million has been taken in by this company. And that's not to say that all that is profit, but, you know, 
the theory. It's a lot of money and that's money that certainly the council uh, could do. So on that whole issue of parking, gas contactors, so see as you're talking about parking, would you ever notify people who need to travel to Cork about this silly parking setups? I was visiting Cork City for an eye appointment and I found that I couldn't park my car anywhere near where I needed to go for my eye appointment as I didn't have a parking permit or token and I had no idea to get where the council offices were to uh, buy them. It's a very silly setup. Now it's obviously, I don't know where the appointment was but it's it was a parking disc was what Gat needed to put up on his car and of course those par- again we know it because we're around the city or people who live in the city or people who go to the city a lot will know exactly where you go to there's a lot of shops a lot of retailers all over the city that sell the parking discs but if you're from outside the area and you don't know that and all you see are these signs saying you have to have parking discs and you don't know where to get them, you can be at, at a bit of a loss. And that's very frustrating if you're going to make an appointment like that for an eye appointment. I don't know how long Gat waited for his eye appointment, but you're trying to be on time for your appointment. And then to discover that you're, you're travelling around trying to find parking where you could go without having to have a parking uh, permit. 1850-333-103. We spoke earlier about the washing of hands and how there's a survey out showing that Irish women are better washing their hands than men. But we also tied it in with the sign of peace at Mass. Well, Frank and Ina Shannon, and I mentioned always coming up to flu season, we have people who are concerned about being at Mass and the priest says, please offer each other the sign of peace and that you go to shake hands with somebody and we will get people who are concerned that they're going to pick up virus or a cold or a bug or tummy bug, whatever it is, by shaking hands with somebody who perhaps hand hygiene isn't as good as theirs and people get concerned about it. Well, Franklin and Shannon said, you have a lot bigger risks outside of Mass than shaking hands with somebody at Mass. He said, firstly, there's a very small crowd go to Mass nowadays. When you're out and about in the supermarkets or out doing your shopping in the shopping malls, uh, your people are handing you stuff all of the time. Are they handing items and then you pick them up or you hand change in, you hand money in and then change is handed back to you. How many people have been handling that uh, change? Uh, you go into restaurants and pubs, there's people around touching tables, touching chairs. You're constantly in contact with people. And he said, if you look at the younger generation, they're at nightclubs and they end up kissing. They're going to get all kinds of different viruses and pick up different bugs from each other. His point, Frank's point is, with so few people going to mass now than was there in previous generations, you have less chance of catching any germs inside in the church than you would in anywhere else. So he's taken aback that anyone would complain about the shaking of hands at, at Mass. And we were, t- thank you for that, we were talking about the M20 motorway and will the M20 motorway be built and when will it be built and will it cover the towns of Mallow, Butterfield and Charleville? Will they be bypassed? I mean, it's still, it was kind of worrying to hear Sean Sherlock say that he's kind of concerned and cautious that that motorway could instead go via care and completely leave Mallow, Charleville and Butterfield out of the picture. Uh, but there's that whole thing about the M20 and when are we ever going to see it built? Well, he says, I'm not a betting man, but I'm willing to bet my shirt that the Adair bypass will go ahead. 
as the Ryder Cup is coming to Adair in 2027. The money mightn't be there to do the full M20, which it can be guaranteed that Adair will get its uh, bypass. And Henry in Bottevent was listening to Sean Sherlock speak about the M20 and he said, and I made the point that there's been decades we've been promised and trying to get, well not promised, but certainly fighting for a motorway between you know, two of our biggest cities, Cork and Limerick. Henry says, why didn't Sean Sherlock do the M8 project on his watch when he was in government? People have been killed on that road also while other governments were in power. It's not something that's just happened now. And John says, while you're talking about the M20, there's another road that you need to highlight. Has Sean ever travelled from Mallow to Castletown Roach on the N72? That road is absolutely lethal and I'm sure it is a road that he well knows uh, as well. Thank you for your calls and thank you for some of your texts in particularly responding and my apologies that I didn't get to these at the time there was there was a bit of a, a glitch with our broadband. The John Paul tells me is affected by the rain so some of the texts were slow coming in earlier on but when I was interviewing Katrina Toomey who I have to say I actually got emotional listening to Katrina Toomey. I mean I've interviewed her loads of times I mean the woman is just a walking saint in my eyes and I think in the eyes of a lot of people but to hear her talk with such compassion for the late Timmy Horahan, who died, was murdered in Cork City at the weekend and all of the other homeless people. And that's what keeps her going and that's what keeps her uh, motivated. Somebody says, simply sent in a text saying, God bless Katrina Toomey. She really is a saint. Yeah, it's beautifully put. Thank you for that. And someone else says, can I wish the very best of luck to Katrina Toomey and the work that she and the rest of the gang at Cork Penny Dinners uh, do. And that comes in from a West Cork listener. Uh, Patricia, government we have to, this is a message to the government we have to house our own first. Before offering homes to foreigners let their their governments help them out. Sorry now we don't want any more dying on our streets. We need to do something about it. It really is dreadful to see our own dying on our streets and other people just wanting to wish Katrina Toomey and everyone at Penny Dinners and everybody works with all the others. There's so many. I mean, Feed Cork, that Sharon just spoke to me about. There's just so many charities up there. By God, if we didn't have volunteers, this what state would this country be in? If we decided, if in the morning every volunteer decided to down tools, yeah, we've had enough now, that's it, we've done our bit, let the government take it over. This country would simply grind to a halt. 1850-333-103. Questions for Annalise, please keep those coming. Una does have a question. It's not for Annalise, it's for anybody else out there. Any of your listeners, please, have a remedy for a water stain on car upholstery? A water stain on car upholstery. I mean, normally it's a water stain anywhere else. You can wash it out, but you can't really take you can't on a car seat. Could anybody offer advice? Is there a product? Are sometimes the the old remedies, you know, the old ones that our grandmothers and grandparents used, often they prove to be absolutely fantastic. But a water stain on car upholstery, Una is trying to get rid of it. If you can help Una, please get your thoughts into us on that. John says, Patricia, this is, well, this is kind of back on the homeless one. With all due respects to emigrants and people seeking asylum, look what's happening to our own people. It's a disgrace. 
all on the heads of our government. We the people voted them into power and they still won't shut the door and say Ireland is is full. We don't have enough homes as it is. We really cannot take in anybody else. And another listener says Cork County Council bought land for the turn off to Donnerail for the turn off to Donnerail to near Butterfant on both sides of the road they built stone walls now I don't I'm assuming somebody's critical of that because that would have come in at the time that we were talking about Timmy and talking to Katrina Toomey so I suppose somebody sees that as a waste of money the walls that were built on the road between Donnerail and Butterfant beautiful stone walls but could that money have been better spent and better spent by way of housing I'm assuming is the thought pattern from that uh, texture and Sandy says at the weekend and up to next Wednesday 16 farmers and contractors are scrambling to empty slurry tanks with a spade of cold yellow rain warnings we have a a yellow rain warning at the moment. I would have expected the Department of Agriculture to band, ban slurry spreading and announce a deferral of the closing date for slurry spreading pending arrival of suitable weather. With all the mild weather, grass growth will continue for an extended period, probably two months, in which time a two-week spell of suitable conditions will most definitely arrive on our shores as usually happens every year. But I assume the Department of Agriculture staff prefer dates and timelines as opposed to thinking practically. Now, are other people concerned about that? Is there a great big scramble? The slurry spreading season is about to close. And it's, I'm assuming it's very unsuitable weather at the moment for spreading slurry with all of this heavy rainfall that we have and heavy rainfall that's expected I'm, I'm assuming it's just the wrong time and actually talking of heavy rainfall and we were we were saying earlier you need to be careful that there was a risk of flooding today we've had some calls in to say there was flooding in the hardware department of the co-op Co-op Trina store in Castletown Bear. Uh, Brian Crowley works at the store and, and he joins me to outline what happened. Good morning, Brian. Hi, how are you? I'm not too bad. How, uh, tell us what's happened What's hap- or happened this morning at the Co-op Trina store in Castletown Bear. Um, it was just like, I suppose you'd call it, uh, maybe a flesh flood, I suppose you'd call it, really. Came in off the road and just, like a river, kept flowing and into the store in the bottom of the yard and it just flowed into it. Has it happened before? Yeah, about two or four years ago, yeah. But you weren't expecting it t- this oh, morning? God, no, no, definitely not, no. And what time did it happen at? Well, we opened here at nine o'clock and we were here for about ten to nine. It was, it was happening, didn't you know what I mean? All right, you arrived to it happening. Yeah. Um, any damage? Oh, there would be damage, yeah. It wouldn't be safe state, but there would be damage, yeah. Like, the feed stuff would be up in pallets, which would fall into off the ground and... I suppose the bottom three layers would be damaged, which would be probably... It was probably between a foot and two foot of water, like, you know. Wow, wow. Yeah. And is it receding? Well, actually, the local fire brigade came to our aid and we pumped it out, you know. OK. Because all the gullies were blocked. You couldn't find them, you know, the volume of water to let it go, like, you know. That's the problem. And you would... There were obviously a lot of rain overnight and a lot of rain this morning. Obviously, it was... I live in our room, which is about 20 minutes from here, and I was leaving the home about 20 past eight, half eight, it was... Like. Yeah, it was, it was. There was some torrential showers. 
Oh, I was only really there for about 15 minutes. Yeah. Know. Frightening. Like. It was a good job it stopped us, though, I say. You know. oh, thank God, yeah, thank God. Even though it's, yeah, I think the West is clearer. I know there's going to be more rain in the East, but I think for the West, you, you, you're going to be okay for the afternoon. Um, is, this, is the shop open? Oh, it's open for business, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay. And you have people in and out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. We'll let you get back to work. Listen, thank you for that and thanks Thank for the you. update. Thanks. thanks. Bye, bye, bye. That's the Drina store, the co-op Drina store in Castanabere. It is open for business. So that's the important one as well because we were hearing earlier as you've been flooded and people were wondering, was it uh, closed? It was. We were warned with this yellow weather warning that we can expect flash flooding. You do need to be careful. But that really has me thinking of Sandy's comment. Is it... Our farmers, I mean, I know Sandy's saying that farmers and contractors are scrambling to empty slurry tanks, but do we take it they're not spreading it? They couldn't, on, surely, on a day like today or with conditions like today. Do we take it that they're not spreading it or do they have no choice? Do they have to spread it and, you know, they have a deadline? There's a close-off date, so do they have no choice? I, I, I'd be interested to hear from uh, people on that one uh, anyone in the farming community 1850 333 103 and Colin Bosford said the Portuguese man of war jellyfish that we spoke of and they were saying we'll have an expert on tomorrow on the programme are probably arriving on our shores because they are avoiding or leaving the UK because of Brexit The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie Donnerail Active Retirement Group They are meeting this afternoon 3 o'clock That's in the community centre All are welcome Billy O'Brien from Fremont Will fundraise for the Ray of Sunshine Foundation And that's happening in the Rambling House Tonight, you're please asked to support. Mallow ICA are meeting tonight at 8 o'clock. Social services hall. New members are welcome. While Falta Toastmasters in Charleville, they are meeting tonight and they meet every second Monday night in the Charleville Park Hotel at 8. Again, all new members are uh, welcome. And employers are invited to attend a free breakfast seminar in the Kingsley Hotel in Cork on Wednesday from 8am to 9.30am. The seminar which is being run by the Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection, will focus on diversity in the workplace and the inclusion of people with disabilities in the workforce. You ask to register on Eventbrite at Work Matters too. This Wednesday on C103's Cork Today show, we'll be speaking with a representative from Awalia. Awalia is a scheme to help homeowners find a resolution to their home mortgage arrears. It provides vouchers for free financial and legal advice and help from experts which are available through MABS. If you have been through the Awalia scheme and would like to share your story or if you're looking for advice, email corktoday at c103.ie. Then listen in this Wednesday at 11.45am only on C103. Just on slurry spreading, uh, Mike says, Hi, uh, Patricia, I'm trying to get slurry out, but the weather is so bad, I actually don't know what to do. And I'm wondering, are there a lot of other farmers and contractors in the very same boat? Let me go back to parking and parking fines. Cathy in Fomoy has a story to share. Good afternoon to you, Cathy. Good afternoon. Did you get a parking fine for this? No, what actually happened was we were away for a week's holidays in Spain. And we arrived back in Cork Airport at uh, on 2 o'clock yesterday morning, uh, completely unaware that uh, there was uh, this new parking fee for uh, pickups if you were there longer than a certain time. 
And it caused a bit of confusion because none of us had heard about it. Our friend came to pick us up and when we tried to get out, the barrier wouldn't lift and then we realised that we had to pay. And again, as I said, it caused a lot of confusion because we hadn't heard about it. And then when my friend put in his card, we should back at him because he didn't put the number in fast enough. Uh, And this is like 10 past, quarter past two in the morning. When everyone's but, exhausted. Yeah. Now, we were fine. We were grand as it happened, thanks to God. But uh, I just thought uh, there might be a lot of other people out there that were not aware of it. Um, apparently, it's uh, free for the first quarter of an hour. And after that, it goes up. And we were over 30 minutes or between 30 minutes and I don't know, maybe 45 minutes. It's uh, 10 euro. And I mightn't have the times exactly right, but it came up that we were 31 minutes. The car had been parked there for 31 minutes. And again, like... And you you got charged 10 euro? Yeah. For 30 minutes parking? No, this is not actually parking in the car park. This was the pickup point. Outside the... Outside. Our friend came to pick us up. Our oh, flight was due in. Okay. I, I, yeah, yeah, I see. All right. Okay. Now, that's new. They, ne- they never used to do, do that before. No. And as I said, none of us had heard about it. Um, so, yeah, it caused a bit of confusion. And uh, I was listening to you there a while ago talking about pay parking and I thought, hmm... Let's share that and and let and let people uh, people know that. Uh, yeah, they're they're calling it the four court car parking rates. That's what it's called. See, I thought when you were talking that you that your friend had actually gone into the car park, and no. you were getting he actually would have been cheaper to have gone into the car park for the thirty minutes. He wouldn't have got charged a tenner for thirty minutes. That's for sure. The first fifteen minutes are free, but God, you'd want to make sure that the person is. Uh, is in or out and then the 16 to 20 minutes it's 3 euro 21 to 30 minutes it's 5 euro and if you just go over the 30 minutes 31 yeah. minutes up to an hour it's a tenner and wait for this if you go over the hour it jumps to 20 euro I, I That's, knew uh, that will be uh, that would be yeah. expensive for people and you're, you're, you're right flights get delayed or there can be delayed with bags coming out it's yeah. hard to and judge it as well as that, um, our flight was at least a quarter of an hour late. Mm. Um, so, uh, our, like we, uh, our friend had timed it well. Put it that way. I know. It was I know. Just, yeah, no counting for late. <sighs> okay. Yeah. So. So but anyway, I just thought Thank you for sharing it and we'll pass it on to aware. others. Thanks for That's that. Thanks for that. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye-bye. Uh, be careful of that when you go to the uh, to the airport. And keep it. John Paul says he's seen signs up. I don't know if there are they new signs that have gone up. There's signs saying it. Yeah, there's signs gone up. Okay. But again, not everyone when you're just dropping somebody off or picking somebody, uh, picking somebody up. I mean, they literally just got cut out unaware of it. Because I've used that pickup uh, area when I've been collecting family members coming in and like that I try and judge it so I know what time the flight is coming in but I've left the car and ran in to say you know yo here I am have I stayed more than 15 minutes I certainly won't be doing it again that's for sure not at those prices that they are charging and the reason the airport have introduced it is because people were parking and leaving their cars there for too long and it was blocking up uh, other parts of the entrance which is uh, fair enough and the signs went up last April okay they've been in for uh, a while but they're obviously now starting to catch 
people and no doubt there's other people have been caught out by it as well because it's just when you're not aware of it once you're aware of something you know so just let people know if you are travelling in and out to the airport are you going to collect somebody in and out of the airport make people aware of that you've got 15 minutes and once you go over that 15 minutes uh, charges are going to start to uh, kick in Okay, 1850-333-103 John Paul is taking your calls we are looking for questions for Annalise uh, please a nutritional therapist at the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. You can text your WhatsApp a question for Annalise to 0862 103 103. There are now even more ways to listen to C103. Tune in on your radio, go online or grab our mobile app. And now... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You can ask your smart speaker to play C103. Play C103. Okay. So you can just follow me. Try it now. Try it now. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Just on the airport uh, parking, a texter says, uh, C103 Radio, you made a lot of announcements by way of ads, I'm assuming, about the charging for waiting times at the arrivals in Cork Airport. It's quite easy to actually do it, says this texter. You just drive around the block every time you're approaching the time limit and then your time starts all over again. So there are ways to avoid the charges, but that's when people are aware of the charges. You need to be aware of them because Mary says, yes, that's set down... those set-down charges are crazy and they came in in April. I wasn't aware of it when I went to the airport in June, says Mary. I was there to pick up my parents. I ended up also having to pay €10, Euro, but I made sure next time that I kept driving around till they were ready to be collected. So there are ways to avoid it once people are aware that those charges are in place. Thank you for your texts and your calls. 1850-333-103. We are looking for questions for Annalise Dressel on Nutritional Therapist from the Health Hub Times Square and Balancolic. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And Annalise joins us on what is a pretty dreary, wet Monday. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. It's a horrible old day out there, isn't it? Yes, pretty rotten, but really we've had a great run of it, haven't we? We have, we have. We cannot complain. Let me get straight into questions. Mary says, question for Annalise, please. I have an underactive thyroid. I get six monthly blood checks to make sure that my levels are okay. I'm on Eltheroxin tablets. Sometimes, though, I am tired. My skin and my hair are dry and I also get dry eyes. Would it be beneficial to take a kelp supplement or any other supplement or should I just continue as I am on the Eltroxin tablets? That's from Mary. So, um, Eltroxin is, uh, is 
putting the hormone, the thyroid hormone into your system because your own thyroid gland isn't making sufficient amounts. Now, there are reasons that your thyroid gland mightn't be making sufficient amounts. And lack of iodine is generally the most um, common reason. So the lady was suggesting that she took kelp tablets, which would be a very good source of iodine. And this may help if you're, um, if that was the reason that your thyroid gland wasn't producing enough uh, enough thyroid hormone in the first place. But if there's other reasons, so some people have got um, autoantibodies to their thyroid, which means it's an autoimmune thing, Patricia, where your own body attacks the thyroid gland and renders it ineffective, you know, it destroys the cells. So if that was the reason your thyroid isn't producing it, the kelp probably won't really work. What can help is taking a selenium supplement. Now, selenium is important for converting your inactive thyroid hormone to the active form inside cells. So because the active form of thyroid hormone is uh, basically it revs up the metabolism, it doesn't get transported around the body in active form. And also when you get the L-troxin, that is the inactive form T4 of the thyroid hormone because it would be dangerous to put it all in in a high amount of active form it could cause hyperthyroidism or your body to basically more or less overheat really I suppose is, is the best way of explaining it. So sometimes you might be deficient in selenium. It's um, a difficult one to get unless you're eating a lot of nuts and seeds. Brazil nuts are great actually for selenium. About six or eight Brazil nuts a day should give you your daily requirement. But whole grains and are very important. Everything brown, so brown rice, brown pasta, um, brown whole wheat, these would be important sources of selenium and I don't think we get a lot of these in our diet. So taking a supplement sometimes can help if you're taking the thyroid hormone and feel it's not benefiting you. It's a very safe way of making sure that you're converting effectively without over, um, you know, over-exercising the thyroid hormone. Okay, Joan in Timaleague is taking a tablet. I think it's called Linesine. It's a tablet for cold sores. Yes. Can you stay on them or are they dangerous? No, so lysine is the, the lysine. most common way of preventing getting cold sores and it's very, very effective. You can take it as a preventative measure if you're, if you're prone to getting them a lot, about a 1,000 milligrams a day. And if you do feel one coming on, you can take it up to six times a day and often it'll work to prevent it coming up or if it comes up, really, it just means it comes up much smaller. It's very safe to take. It's just an amino acid, so what you're, which is a protein, so what your body doesn't use will just break down and get rid of it very safely. Okay, so there's, there's no problem in staying on it. No problem. And then Anne said, I wake during the night and I can't get back to sleep. Um, Annalise recommended something a few weeks ago. Could she t- talk about it again, please? So a couple of reasons that you might make, wake up in the middle of the night. The first one, I suppose, is um, low blood sugar. So if you haven't eaten from six o'clock your, and your blood sugar is, is dropping, dropping throughout the night, if you went, you know, go through, uh, uh, if you wake up, your body will immediately kick into adrenaline mode because it's trying to help balance your blood, your dropping blood sugar as well. And that can make you feel awake very quickly. So sometimes taking a small snack before going to bed can help with balancing your blood sugar and prevent that cortisol adrenaline uh, release, you know, for balancing blood sugar. So that's one thing to try. Another reason that you might wake up in the middle of the night, menopause is a very typical one, Patricia. People's women's sleep go, can go, get very bad throughout menopause. So um, managing your menopause symptoms might be more a more effective way. And then lastly, something like the Dr. Delish Clare Relax Blend or the Dr. Vogel, they do a, a valerian blend as well, which is called Dormizan, D-O-R-M-E-S-E-A-N. 
and it's a blend of valerian and hops and that's very good to stop that busy brain feeling and just to relax you enough to get back to sleep again and then some people find it very difficult to sleep because of shift work Um, and one of the best things for that is melatonin now unfortunately we can't sell it over the counter in Ireland you'll have to get a prescription from your doctor but if you've anybody going to Spain or Germany or France you'll be able to buy it in a pharmacy there or in the health shop or if you go to the States you can get really nice high doses in the States and that's safe to take as well and stay on the when you I'm assuming this could be menopause but maybe it's something different a listener says could you ask Annelise what's causing night sweats I'm waking up I end up having to change my clothes in the middle of the night they're actually soaked does yes, that sound like menopause? That definitely sounds like menopause to me. And the best thing for the night sweats is sage tablets. Now, they do can take a bit of time to kick in, uh, but you will have to stay on them. So women will take them and they'll find that their night sweats are gone, so they stop, and then a couple a month or two later, the night sweats are back. So, you, you know, you could take them yourself. Probably for at least a year, you'd need to take them, depending on how long your menopause lasts. And actually, I was talking to somebody at the weekend at a party, Patricia, who was suffering, had been suffering severe anxiety as a result of menopause. And a lot of us don't recognise the symptoms of menopause because our own mothers had been on HRT. So they didn't go through menopause. So it wasn't really talked about. But night sweats would be the most common um, symptom. But a lot of people have difficulty sleeping, very low mood, a lot of anxiety, social anxiety where they never had before, irritable, um, you know, short-tempered one minute and feeling very low and upset the next. So that's all perfectly normal symptoms. Sore breasts is another very common one as well. So they're all manageable with natural methods. And if it is really bad, you can't manage with natural methods. HRT can also help. And it's risk versus benefit if you're a non-smoker and there's no history of breast or cervical cancer in the family. HRT should be fine for you. And the symptoms eventually pass? They eventually will go. Um, You know, and most, most people really only go through a year or two of very severe symptoms and then the symptoms will lessen drastically. Although I do have some ladies who still get the odd um, hot flush and phase of night sweats and they could be in their 60s. So it can last longer for some people. Okay. Anything for bad cramps in legs, please? So the, the, the most uh, normal, the most usual cure for that, Patricia, is magnesium. So you could either get a magnesium spray and rub it in or you could take a magnesium supplement. Now, magnesium will interfere with the absorption of calcium if you take it in very high doses. So I always think take it at night time because then your body will absorb what it needs and it doesn't necessarily interfere with the calcium that you've been taking from your diet throughout the day. And again, if that doesn't work, the quinine in um, tonic can work very well. So a big bottle of, of tonic water is another good tip too. Can you put the gin into it at the same time? Well, that'll give you a good <laughs> sleep as well, Patricia. Uh, so, hi, yeah. hi Annelise. <laughs> uh, what would you suggest for dry eyes, please? So dry eyes, uh, probably the best thing, Patricia, I think is to take the fats into your body. So what's very important for um, the mucus producing membranes, and that's what produces the mucus that keeps our, eye, our eyes nice and uh, lubricated, are um, the fish oils. They're great to have as part of the cells and very important for mucus producing cells. Vitamin E and vitamin A are also the ones that are very important for mucus producing cells, but you will get lots of those in a fish oil supplement. And you're looking for one that's very high in DHA. So the omega-3s are made up of two different types of um, essential fish oil, uh, sorry, essential omega-3 oil. One is EPA and one is DHA. EPA is wonderful as an anti-inflammatory and DHA is fantastic for all those mucousy, fatty membranes, brilliant for the brain, 
brilliant for the fatty tissue that surrounds our nervous system. So if you want something as an anti-inflammatory, look for high EPA in a fish oil. But if you want something for brain and mucous membranes, eyes, our nervous system, like multiple sclerosis, go for something high in DHA. Dan says, would Annalise have any suggestion, please, a recommendation for extremely bad purple stretch marks on my teenage son? So, well, the first thing I would recommend is taking a vitamin C supplement because vitamin C is very, very important for collagen production. And collagen is the tissue that kind of holds, it forms the the kind of the matrix that our skin is on, uh, which is why as we get older and we lose collagen in our face, we, we get fine lines and wrinkles and deeper as we get older. So taking a vitamin C supplement would be very helpful. And then you can get lots of nice oils to rub in to minimize the appearance of stretch marks. One of the best ones is rosehip oil. That in itself would be very naturally high in vitamin C. But uh, uh, Trilogy do a lovely rosehip body oil that's very effective. And actually a lot of the pregnancy oils that you'll find in health shops will have other types of oils in there like tomato seed oil, carrot seed oil um, and the rosehip oil. And these are all wonderful for, for building up the collagen and full of vitamin C for skin. So try any of those. Hi, Annalise. Would you recommend something called doTERRA thyme oil? Somebody suggested it for snoring. Does Annalise know it doesn't have any results? So doTERRA is a wonderful uh, brand of essential oils. They're very, very high quality and very, very pure. Uh, You will have to generally buy them through uh, a salesperson. They're not mostly found for sale in health stores. So thyme oil typically, like so I can definitely say the quality of the doTERRA is excellent. I use them myself. Thyme oil for snoring, it may or may not work. It is very good for um, thyme and ivy are often used to, for the uh, prevention of the buildup of mucus. So in that sense, it could definitely help with snoring if the snoring is due to a blocked nose or stuffiness or sinus problems. Uh, you could also take the doTERRA oils internally because they're such high quality. So you can use them to sniff, to open up the airways, or you can take them internally to dry up the mucus. Alternatives would be the Dr. Vogel Ivy Time Complex, which you can take in drops. And Dr. Delish Claire does a great one as well, the Mucotone one, which is great for kind of drying up mucus. So any of those are good for uh, drying up mucus, whether it's to do with coughs or colds or snoring. But it may not be the only reason somebody's snoring. So weight is a big issue as well, Patricia, and sleep apnea where people forget to breathe and then start breathing and snoring. So it, it may or may not solve the problem, but it's certainly worth a worth it worth, worth a try. Uh, question for Annalise. I'm looking to balance hormones. Still not right a year after pregnancy. Would Agnes Cactus Herb Tincture help? Yeah, so Agnes Cactus is a very good one for helping to balance hormones. Now, I can find sometimes it can go, it can go a bit AWOL before it goes right. So uh, if you're trying to bring your periods back on, on you know, a proper cycle, you might notice that the cycle becomes shorter or longer to begin with. It could take three or three to six months. Other things that are very good for hormone balance are um, things that support the liver. Um, so taking a good liver supplement that has got uh, sulfur-containing um, um, components in there, Patricia, like methionine or cysteine, artichoke is very good, dandelion and burdock, they're all very good. And these support the pathways in the liver that get rid of old hormones. And that's an essential part of hormone balance because it's important we get rid of them once we don't need them anymore. So try the combination with the Agnes Castus and a good liver support and it should happen much quicker than just the Agnes Castus on its own. 
Okay, and a listener, I'm watching the time. A listener trying to shift a cold sore from her son. Uh, it seems to be spreading. He he has, he does take lysine, but not regularly. He's 12, I don't know what else to do. She said we put acid, A-C-I-C, A-C on yeah. it. Anyway, and it's, it's, but it's spread. Should he stay on the lysine? Definitely stay on the lysine and up it for the moment. And um, more, it's, but he's not taking it regularly, you would say daily. Yeah, I think if he's prone to getting them a lot, take it regularly. And I find... What's very good for when you've got a cold sore is the Biopropolis cream. Uh, you will buy it in any health shop, Biopropolis, and it definitely takes the pain out and it does seem to stop the spread and make it heal up an awful lot quicker. So you could try that. And just very quickly, Patricia, just something came to me there about the snoring that a couple of my customers have started practicing. This method where you tape the mouth. Now, it sounds completely counterintuitive because it sounds like it makes it more difficult to breathe. And I wouldn't suggest it if the reason you're snoring is because you're all stuffed up with mucus. But by taping the mouth, you're forcing the body to breathe through the nose. And that, for some people, has been wildly successful, a simple thing like that. That's another good good thing to try. And how would you tape up the mouth? So I guess you have to use, like, duct tape. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, a big thing of duct tape and put it over the mouth. It sounds totally counterintuitive, but I've heard amazing results. No, but it, ma- but it makes years. absolute sense because people snore because their mouth is open. Exactly. So if you yeah. can keep the mouth closed. It forces them to breathe through the nose. Yeah. Absolutely. And it seems to have amazing results. People who've said they've snored for years has stopped snoring almost overnight. There you go. Give it a try. We'll talk to you next week, Annalise. Thank you for that. Thanks for joining us. That is Annalise Drussell from the Health Hub Times Square in uh, Balancholic. And uh, apologies if we didn't get to all of your questions. And I just saw a lovely text in the middle of the questions coming in from Annalise to say, "Uh, having listened to your programme today, Patricia, I won't be giving any Christmas presents this year. I'm not going to give Christmas presents or Christmas cards I've decided to set instead that the money I would have allocated for that I'm going to give it to Penny Dinners well done well done Katrina and her gang will be delighted to hear from you that's for sure okay that's where I leave it for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click regional reports or download the C103 app and click podcasts. Regional reports only on C103. 